just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I warn you up front, it is thundering and storming here. If I disappear, uh, these programs are always uploaded uh, to Rumble, so the full thing is there sometimes with the live stream. Things can happen, and it's, it's, it's a bit stormy out there. kind of surprised me. I don't, I don't, the weathermen didn't get this one right, as they are often wrong. But we're not talking about the weather today. We're talking about your health. We're talking about medicine. We're talking about drugs and doctors and the Christian viewpoint towards those things. And this can be a very uh, interesting topic. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Uh, my guest today is uh, Charles Hodges, Jr., who is a medical doctor. Uh, he practices up in Indiana. He's a family physician. He's also a biblical counselor, as well as the executive director of the Vision of Hope, which is a residential facility in Lafayette, Indiana, for women. So he's helping people on a medical and spiritual level on a daily basis. He is also a contributor and editor of a book called The Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. And I got to tell you, when I got this one, I... I started thumbing through and I went, this looks academic. And I started looking at the topics and I'm like, man, this, this is really a great reference for all sorts of things. I mean, everything from, you know, a PTSD, uh, OCD, you know, mental disorders. And he's, he's addressing them from what I was taught at Oral Roberts University decades ago. He's, he's coming from the whole man perspective. And I really do think that's important. We tend to get out of balance one way or the other. And, and he's bringing, I think, a lot of good balance to this. So this will be interesting, whether you're dealing with something physical or emotional, mental or not. Uh, but if you are or you know someone who is, well, uh, this, this definitely is going to have some interest to you. So you're also welcome to jump in and ask your questions and make your comments. If you're watching live, uh, the chat is open on chat-enabled channels. With that, Dr. Hodges, welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you today. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I look forward to talking about the book and the subjects in it. Oh yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to ask some some of the weird questions. We'll t we'll talk about marijuana and stuff like that a little later. <laughs> but right now, I think the sort of the opening question, um, both in discussion and to kind of see where you land, is is just the whole idea because you know in the faith community there is a range of viewpoints on the ideas of medicine, doctors, and the Christian's attitude towards it. Where, where do you come from? Well, if you're talking about medicine with regard to emotional struggles and problems, hmm. I uh, have uh, for years tried to teach and tell people that taking medicine for things such as depression or anxiety or um, other emotional struggles is a Christian liberty issue. Now, the, the Christian liberty is a doctrine that we hold dear, uh, generated out of uh, Romans 14 and out of Corinthians, and it came from a, an argument that the church was having. I always smile and say, imagine that, you yeah. know, Christians were arguing about something. And the argument was about whether we should eat meat that was offered to idols or not. And so it sort of boils down to the vegetarians against the meat eaters. And the vegetarians would say that the meat eaters were eating 
um, eat offered idols and were committing idol worship and the vegetarians uh, and, and then the meat eaters would say that the vegetarians were just uh, uninformed brethren. And uh, what Paul did when he found out about it was to smack them both upside the head and uh, point out that they were uh, being critical in an unjust way uh, uh, about each other. And then he told them that uh, eating meat offered to idols was uh, didn't was nothing uh, because the idol was nothing, uh, and so that they were no better off if they ate it, and they were no uh, better off if they didn't. You know that it didn't really make difference one way or another. And from that we generate what we call the doctrine of Christian liberty, and that is when. The Bible doesn't specifically say something about a subject, such as whether we should be taking medication or not, uh, then we as Christians have the privilege, not the right, but we have the privilege to make our own choice in the matter, um, in, informed by all of Scripture. It doesn't mean that we are just supposed to make our mind up in one way or, or, or without regard to Scripture. We're supposed to take into account what the whole Bible says. And then we're also supposed to take into account uh, how it might affect other people mm. uh, if we make that choice. Paul would later say that if eating meat or drinking wine would cause his brother to stumble, then he wouldn't do either. Uh, he he would abstain would abstain from both. So you know, from that I, we uh, in the biblical counseling movement would uh, say that uh, taking medicine is a Christian liberty issue. It's not a right or wrong issue. It becomes a matter of whether it's wise or unwise. As a friend of mine once said, it's it, 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 you, you have to become a, a good medical consumer. You know, I always tell patients that when a doctor sits down to write you a prescription or send it to your drugstore, um, you should be asking them questions at that point. Like, how is this medicine supposed to help me? What, what is it supposed to do to correct the problem? And then uh, also at the same time, you should be asking, what, what are the side effects? You know, what, what downside is there associated with taking this medicine so that, so that you can make a good a good choice. So for the most part, I would tell people that taking a medicine is a Christian Christian liberty issue. You know, the the difficulty that I've had with issues like that, uh, and certainly it popped up with the vaccination and COVID, is that sometimes no matter what you do, someone's going to be offended in the church. And it's like, do I cause the pro-vaccine people to stumble or the anti-vaccine people to stumble by taking a position? Uh, and I, I see some of that with the uh, medications for depression, anxiety, and, and things like that. Some people are very offended if you're against it, and some people are very offended if you're for it. Uh, and I don't know what to do with that theologically. Do you have any clue on that one? Well, you know, I, I always tell people when it comes to taking medicine for depression or for anxiety and things like that, uh, it is important to make sure what you're treating um, mm. Good research tells us that probably for 90% of people who get labeled with depression in the United States today and, and in some parts of the world, uh, nine out of 10 of them will be suffering from normal sadness over a loss. Mm. You, you, you know, you ask them, when did it start and what happened? And you'll find that nine out of 10 of them will struggle with some reasonable loss in their life that is causing them great, causing them grief. Now, medication actually probably won't help that very much. You know, what helps it is to talk to someone who has some experience in helping individuals who are struggling. 
Um, I, I think it's really important for the believer to be responding to losses such as that uh, in a biblical way. As, as a good friend of mine used to say, that a, biblical inform, a biblically informed response to a problem will always be superior to a response that isn't biblically informed. Mm. So it's, it's important to figure out exactly what's going on so that it can be treated appropriately. Um, medication that is given to people for depression uh, who are struggling with normal sadness probably doesn't work very well for them and does carry significant side effects. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there are individuals who have what we call disordered sadness. They couldn't tell you why they're sad and they've been sad all their life. Mm -hmm. Medication may help them to some extent. Although, uh, you know, I've, I've been around long enough to remember when Prozac was uh, first marketed. Yeah. And you would have thought that it was the second coming with regard to medicine and the solution to a lot of uh, problems that people face. But as time went forward, we found out that it actually, while it did help some, it wasn't nearly as uh, useful as we'd hoped at the beginning. So I, I always caution people, uh, make sure what is wrong uh, in your situation uh, to get a good diagnosis uh, before you set out for treatment. Yeah. Someone uh, I've, I've known very well uh, takes medication. Um, she was suicidal, suffered, I mean, deep anxiety. I mean, very, very difficult. And there was some trauma in her past. Uh, and she said, you know, look, if, if you've got a problem with your heart, you're going to take medication for your heart. And if you, you know, got a pain somewhere else in your body, you're going to take medication for that pain. If there is a problem with the brain, uh, it's okay to take medication for it. It's the smart thing to do. Um, is generally, do you concur with that viewpoint? Well, um, you know, I would say that uh, for individuals who have suffered uh, and who found medication to be helpful to them, that, that there is nothing in Scripture that would be critical uh, of, of them doing so. Mm. And it would be a... Um, I always like what Christ said that the uh, in Mark chapter two he said that the uh, the sick need a physician. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I I I I won't criticize anyone who is taking medication uh, for uh, for struggles. Um, again, I I always uh, and I and I always say that when I come on programs like this that I wouldn't want anybody to think anything I said would be a critical of that or would be encouraging them to stop taking their medicine certainly that that wouldn't be the case so um i believe there are individuals who do have problems with uh, emotional struggles that benefit from taking medicine and by all means if it helps they should i'm assuming that really the only way you're going to know the difference between whether it's good or bad helping or not is to have a good relationship with a doctor that you trust, uh, and, and I mean, we certainly want to, don't want to be dispensing broad medical advice to people uh, here today. I mean, is, is it really something that can only be done properly with a qualified medical professional? Uh, I think if you're going to be taking medicine, uh, your best source of information will be from your, your physician. Um, it, there is all kinds of information on the internet. We always smile and talk <laughs> about how I, I used to give 
first opinions and send people for second opinions. Now I'm in the business of giving second opinions and most people are getting their first from Dr. Google. <laughs> and I don't criticize people for that because I, I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and look over at my wife and she's on her uh, iPhone uh, looking at Google about her medical situation. <laughs> so, and she's married to a doctor. But, you know, I, I think the best uh, setting for uh, getting medical treatment is to to have a physician that you trust and, and importantly that you like yeah. um, and uh, with whom you can sit down and have the time to talk and discuss your situation so you can get the the best diagnosis and then the best treatment so it's very important to get a solid diagnosis yeah okay uh, and and I don't want to substitute uh, I don't, I don't want to give anybody information today that would substitute for someone who can monitor them and, and see if things are working or not. The second chapter in the Christian Counselor's Medical Def Desk Reference, the, the title of the chapter kind of makes a point that a lot of people who are opposed to medicine uh, and even doctors would, would make. And, and the title of that chapter is The Scriptures Are Sufficient. Uh, what are you communicating there? Well, I... Um you know, the question is, is, uh, you know, I think when you start talking about the sufficiency of Scripture and counseling is uh, whether or not the Bible contains information that's going to be useful if you're on a Monday night sitting down across from somebody with OCD. You know, right. it, 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 you know are, the, are the Scriptures going to be sufficient or do you need information from another from another source? And when I talk about the sufficiency of Scripture, I always I always like to re, uh, refer to a good friend, uh, John Frame. He's a uh, a well-known theologian at, uh, at Reformed Theological Seminary, and he what he points out is that when it, when we talk about the sufficiency of Scripture, the Bible contains sufficient words for us to deal with any subject. Uh, God has given us sufficient words to deal with any subject. Now, sufficient is not specific. Right. You know, there, you know, there is a difference between sufficient information and specific information. And I always like to go to strep throats. You know, the Bible doesn't say a word about strep throats. And there's, there's no specific information about it. Now, the sufficient information is back in Mark 2, where the Bible says the sick need a physician. Hmm. So, you know, most of us in biblical counseling aren't going to get in arguments with people about whether or not it's best when you have a strep throat to go see your doctor. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, and, we, and the sufficient word that we have is that the, uh, that the sick need a physician, whereas when it comes to dealing with things like worry and sadness over loss, the, the Bible has sufficient information for us to deal with those problems adequately mm -hmm. so that's the difference sufficiency mm -hmm. applies to i always like to say god didn't tell us how to make an mri machine he, he did not uh, give us the specific direction and how to make it but he gives us all the words we need as doctors in order to use that mri machine in a godly way mm -hmm. you know he tells us he tells the doctor how to be a godly physician in the way that he uses it yeah, that's good. I like that. He he didn't give us uh, computer chips. He gave us silicone and left the rest up to us. So there is a partnership, I think, going on there. Uh, and Lord knows, after two detached retinas, uh, I am grateful for medical doctors. I would be blind, completely blind, blackout blind without them. And so I, I think we really have to take a reasonable approach to this. Um, at the same time, there are some... <laughs> Some, some controversial things uh, in the medical community. 
uh, I mentioned one of them, and, and this is a conversation that, that I had at length with a bunch of Christian friends, uh, and that was when CBD became popular. Uh, and, and I was like, marijuana, no way, you know? And they explained, okay, there's a difference between the THC and the CBD. You're taking the, the mind-altering out of it and getting the benefits from a plant, which God made, that uh, you know, can help with relieving pain. Um, where do you fall on some of the more controversial drugs? Well, uh, when it comes to um, the uh, CBD derivatives from the marijuana plant, uh, my concern uh, about it is that it is, by and large, mostly untested. Mm. And uh, it is widely used. Um, <laughs> I know and, some guys that have been testing it for years. <laughs> Just... <laughs> and, and, and how many of them are there? Are there four, five, 10, 15, or 20? Um, it would be a, a, a finite number of people. Sure, and, sure. And, and we we would call that experience in medicine anecdotal. Yeah. You know, I know somebody who took CBD and, you know, they, they couldn't walk last week and now they're running a marathon. <laughs> that that That's a great story. And it usually encourages people to uh, consider taking the stuff. Uh, on the other hand, in medicine, we are obligated uh, by the Food and Drug Administration, which is often criticized, but uh, at times offers an, an important sense of direction. We're obligated by them to test things in groups of 10,000 or 20,000 or 100,000, and then to determine what actual benefit occurs with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I understand CBD, that portion of the of the uh, cannabis plant, uh, there are probably uh, applications for it that have to do with seizures. And it, that's not surprising because this is a, a medicine that does act in the brain. Mm-hmm. So intractable seizures, intractable hiccups, intractable seizures in children that have been unable to be treated by anything else. And you know, my view about that substance is that it'd be really nice for somebody to do a lot of real research. And then we find out what it was useful for and what it wasn't useful for. And then, you know, it, uh, it would be, I think I could make a better recommendation for it. Uh, on the other hand, marijuana, I have absolutely no use for. Um, and I, uh, I'm, I often find a soapbox and stand up on it to campaign against it. And the reason why is because uh, the increase that we're seeing in schizophrenia mm. and uh, bipolar mania associated with uh, young people smoking marijuana on a regular basis, uh, marijuana THC causes changes in the brain, some of which we don't know ever really go back to normal. So I, you know, I, I, uh, one thing is, you know, we've spent the, the last 50 years of my life campaigning against smoking cigarettes, hmm. you know, that smoking cigarettes would be hazardous to your health, but then suddenly we're supposed to smoke marijuana and it's all safe, okay, and good for us. Uh, it, it, it not, you know, that, that's what I would say about it. So I, I would say of it, um, uh, the, uh, the, the THC and CBD uh, portions of marijuana, uh, may have a use in medicine, um, but that remains to be determined. And, and I, as far as I'm concerned, I, I hope people do research so that we can get good, good information so we can make good choices, be informed medical consumers. Yeah. I, well, I can tell you since they legalized marijuana in Colorado, it's hard to get good service anywhere. I mean, it really has taken a toll on uh, really the culture up there. And so I go, man, I, I don't, I don't see that that's a good thing. 
They will tell you, though, the difference between cigarettes and marijuana has to do with the chemicals that are put into cigarettes. And they say marijuana is all natural, which brings me to another question, because there are quite a few things out there. You're talking derivatives of poppies or psychotropic mushrooms, things that are in nature. And so you could say, well, God created it, but they alter the mind. And frankly, those things terrify me. Uh, But it can be a little hard to defend my position from a biblical standpoint when they're like, hey, look, it grows in nature. It's, you know, God made it kind of thing. I'm going, I still don't think that's right. Do you have any views on some of the more? Well, God created rattlesnakes, too. And, um, (laughs) you know. Getting bit isn't useful. I, uh, there are lots of things that grow naturally in nature, which are poisonous and kill people if they consume them. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because something grows in nature doesn't necessarily make it good for us or useful. useful. Uh, my great concern about um, uh, things like LSD and hallucinogenic uh, substances is that they can be mind altering uh, and brain structure altering. And, and they uh, are addictive. Uh, you know, we've been, you know, the, I, I always say that it's, when you run into somebody who thinks marijuana is really great, you're either talking to somebody who uses it or sells it, one of the two. <laughs> and, and this stuff is, is addictive. Uh, you know, there's, there's really no way around that. It, it is habit forming. And I think as a believer, um, I, when I look at things that are habit forming, I think the Bible speaks uh, specifically about it. Mm. If you go to Ephesians chapter five, he, he tells us uh, that we shouldn't become, uh, um, we shouldn't let wine become our master. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we shouldn't be addicted to strong drink or wine, um, as opposed to being. Don't be controlled by wine, but be controlled by the Holy spirit and and when i look at that i say if this if this is a substance that comes to dictate how and when you use it uh then i i think there's biblical admonition that we as believers probably should not participate in it that doesn't uh, doesn't mean that i think that if a person drinks a glass of wine in with their dinner that they've committed some kind of 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 sin Uh, but the person who is addicted to it and cannot uh, function or live without it Mm -hmm has has given themselves over to something that controls their life as opposed to the Holy Spirit controlling our life. Yeah. So I, that's how I view those kind of substances for Christians. And I, I think that's wise. And again, wine, I mean, it's grapes. They grow in nature. So you could make that sort of same argument. But I like the rattlesnake argument, too. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty good. So, um, well, I'll show people the book again. This is the counsel, Christian Counselor's Medical Desk reference and seriously if if you're wanting to research and get a good biblical perspective on things i mean we're talking postpartum bipolar clinical depression autoimmune disorders ocd ptsd alzheimer's there's a lot covered in this so it's a real good resource Uh, and dr hodges website is one of the best urls i've seen good mood bad mood which is also the title of one of his books Uh, but you can go to goodmoodbadmood.com and find out more about Dr. Hodges and uh, connect to the, the counselor's medical desk reference guide. Uh, and certainly if you're in, you're in counseling or you know someone who's in counseling, what a great resource for them. Very, very thorough. I have to bring up the issue of kind of what's happened really worldwide uh, since COVID. 
Uh, and, and you talked about, you know, the FDA, you look at the World Health Organization. There are a lot of people that used to trust these organizations that don't anymore. Um, what have you seen going on in your community uh, with just the level of, of trust in the medical experts? you got Big Pharma that I think has all sorts of questions around it. Uh, I'm just curious from a doctor's perspective what you're seeing. Well, you know, the COVID epidemic impacted our book. Uh, it was supposed to be out a year earlier than it was, and but then COVID had hit. And uh, for two years, most of the people who were writing were really busy. And they, they were busy taking care of people who were struggling with COVID. So, you know, when I, when I, and I have taken care of patients throughout the process. And I can tell you that when this started, um, it was, things were really difficult. Um, I, I, when people ask me, did you really know someone who had it and died? And, you know, I just look at them with a blank stare almost because, I mean, I've had relatives die. I've had patients die. I've had colleagues die. Um, you know, people, people were getting the virus and they were, they were suffering mightily. Now, as the virus probably has shifted a bit, so it's not nearly as virulent as it was when it started. And then the vaccine has, has its impact. And then we have medicine that actually does help reduce the incidence of hospitalization and or death associated with it, uh, which then makes our memories fade. You know, now that things aren't so bad and we aren't wearing masks so much anymore, now everybody kind of looks backwards and kind of forgets what it was like to be working in an emergency room in the middle of it all. Yeah. Um, I would grant you that there are many people who have lost uh, some faith in the medical community. I never really had much faith in the World Health Organization because <laughs> I, I have significant questions about how it's funded and who was funding it. And, you know, it's, it, it uh, but what I would say is that I have I have lived through all of the times when people would come up and say, "Well, this is a this is the way to treat it." And, you know, I, I I lived through the hydroxychloroquine age that came and went and didn't and which was actually tested and didn't really prove to help people all that much. I've also, um, I, you know, I, I I've seen how we treat uh, people who have COVID change because. Well, we figured out at the beginning what we were doing really wasn't all that helpful. So we we changed what we did because we were, you know, we were aiming to try to save people's people's lives. So I, I guess what I can say is that yes, I I think uh, the medical profession has suffered some, um, you know, particularly if you put your your trust in the folks in the government at the National Institute of Health who were. Who are guiding us you know you would look at them and you go well i don't really know if i trust them or not uh and that sort of has a fallout now i agree with something you said earlier though it's, it's sort of like congress you know everybody says they don't like congress but they love their own congressman mm -hmm. and you know what i have found is that uh, the patients that i take care of still like me just about as much as they did before covid <laughs> as they did after good and uh, i think they trust me just as much as they did before and after that doesn't mean that they all went and got COVID vaccinations. Uh, some of them didn't. Some of them, many of them did. I, I did. Um, but at any rate, they still value my opinion about their health care. And I, I don't think that's going to go away so much. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we need doctors. We just, we also need honesty, which 
I'm not talking about you, but when you talk about the NIH and the World Health Organization, sometimes you wonder if they're compromised for political or financial reasons. And that makes it tough. And that's why I think coming from a biblical perspective towards medicine is the only way to go because, you know, if the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, we can get a little discernment sometimes when it comes to things. And the other thing is that not all medications affect people the same way. Some people experience side effects. Some people don't. Um, and, and you don't know until you get there. By then it could be too late. And so I, I really think that you have to balance the medical and the biblical if you're, if you're going to uh, navigate this life successfully. Um, I appreciate your, your input and time. And we could, we could talk about some of the other you know, sort of controversial things, but I'll give you the last words. Anything you want to add? Anything you want people to know about the book or just about medicine in general? Well, I, you know, with regard to the book, The Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference, um, you know, it sounds like it's just written to Christian counselors, but honestly, I, I think it has a wider audience, and that audience is are people who are looking for uh, biblical approaches to problems that their loved ones may have. Mm. There are 20 uh, different uh, medical subjects discussed in it, and in it, in the book, each chapter gives a in English, non-medical, in English description of what the problem is. And after 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 you get the sense of what uh, medicine is saying about the problem, and also the, the, the same writer will give a, a reasonable biblical counseling response to, to the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are really good chapters on postpartum depression. That's an excellent chapter. Uh, other other chapters on things like ADHD and 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 how to help people who are thinking of harming themselves. All those all those chapters apply, I think, to to the general audience, not yeah. just to counselors. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with you, which is why I when I saw that, I, I kind of went, mm, and then I looked into it and I went, oh yeah, we need to talk about this on the air. So I appreciate your insight, appreciate your time. Uh, you know, the bio says you run four miles a day uh, at lunch every day. Um, are, are you getting out today or is, is that most days? Well, it's uh, six days a week and uh, today has been a real busy day. I think I'll wait until I get home this evening to get to, to run. <laughs> That's the only, only, only way I would run four miles if somebody was chasing me, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I understand that. <laughs> I have I've been trying to exercise, so exercise, eat well, you know, those things. So, uh, Dr. Hodges, uh, I, I do appreciate your insight. I think it's it's important for us to take uh, a sober look at medical issues uh, and to consult godly physicians and experts in, in their field uh, and being uh, led by the Holy, Holy Spirit. I mean, it's uh, it, they're tough decisions a lot of times, um, but I think I think we can well, I think we can get there. So I appreciate your insight and expertise. Thank you, sir. You're quite welcome. Thank you for having me. You can check out Dr. Hodge's website at goodmoodbadmood.com. Looks just like that. And, of course, you can pick up the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. Uh, even if you're not uh, a counselor and you're not medical, it will be beneficial for you as we discuss. So appreciate you guys hanging out. If you know someone who's trying to figure out what to do medically and trying to maintain a biblical perspective, hit that share button. If you haven't liked, follow, or subscribe, please do that. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Vast, limitless sea of divine